Hello guys and welcome, welcome to, to Happy, Happy Single, Single Mums. Are you really just going to copy everything I'm saying? Yes! <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums, a podcast surrounding real single mummy life. Every episode will deliver the best hard-hitting topics surrounding mummy life. So, here's your host, me, Khalifa. Hey guys and welcome to Happy Single Moms. I'm your host Khalifa. Today we have Jill McCormick. She's from America and she is a magnificent lady. Her Instagram says I help women move away from trying hard to towards God's grace and um, grace is something that I particularly have um, struggled with because I feel like I've never really had a good relationship with grace because I feel that when people say grace, it kind of gives them a license to quote unquote sin. But I, because I don't give myself a lot of grace, that's why grace has been hard for me to understand and identify when it comes to God, because I'm so hard on myself. So I'm like, no, if I can't get over what I've done, if I can't get over the fact that I shouted at my son, if I can't get over the fact that I cussed someone out whilst I was driving, <laughs> you know, how am I meant to believe that you know, that there isn't a catch, that why, how can he be so forgiving? There has to be a catch. So that has always been my struggle when it comes to understanding grace. And it's still a work in progress. I'm still working on myself. Um, I, well, not, let me not say I'm working on myself. He's still working on me because I can't work on myself because I will fail. Yeah. So yes, <laughs> he's still working on me. And, um, that's why I wanted to speak to Jill because, um, she's a, a graceologist maybe <laughs> can I say that I love word? it yes, yes. <laughs> so please tell the audience a bit about yourself yes so I'm Jill McCormick I am a follower of Jesus I am wife to Ryan I'm the mom to two girls and the owner of a very high maintenance, high energy Vizsla puppy. So that is what, those are the biggest roles in my life. And then I work as the communications director at our church. And then I have my own side hustle of editing. So I edit book manuscripts and book proposals. And then I'm a writer and a speaker and just like Khalifa, I'm a podcaster. So I have a podcast called Grace in Real Life. And Khalifa, I'm with you. I started the podcast and I started writing about grace because I struggle with it. Like it just seems too good to be true. And grace, I feel like before I started studying it about four years ago, grace just felt like license to sin, an excuse for laziness. It was like your all access pass, do whatever you want. Cause you know, grace covers it. And it's like, that is not at all what grace is. So thank you for calling me a graceologist. And I'm excited to talk with you more about grace and your listeners too. So, so Jill, what is grace and how has it shaped you? So grace is the loving kindness and favor of God that doesn't excuse or condone your sin, but it nailed it to the cross. So you, Khalifa, and all your listeners, and Jill, we bear it no more. 
like it's gone. And on my podcast, I define grace as God, God's understanding of our humanity and that he comes alongside of us to help us and to work on our behalf. I like to think of it as compassion and kindness for ourselves that says, you're a human. You're not superhuman. You're a human. You're going to make mistakes. And that's why there is forgiveness. That's why there's mercy. That's why there's hope. That's why there's love. So I feel like grace has definitely taken the edge off of me because I am very, I don't know if you or your listeners are familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram three, which is the achiever. So I love achieving. I put my worth in my productivity. How much did I accomplish today? Is everything checked off the to-do list? Did I do it all right? Um, Am I working hard? Am I working well? Am I loving all my people? And that just felt really overwhelming to me. It felt very crushing almost, like I was wearing a heavy coat all the time. And grace has taken off the edge where I can be compassionate toward myself, not excusing mistakes, not saying that sin doesn't matter. Um, Richard J. Foster in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, talks about how grace is free, but grace is not cheap because Jesus died like a person, a divine human, hundred percent God, hundred percent man died. So Khalifa and Jill and all your listeners could have grace. I mean, that is the ultimate sacrifice. So I feel like it's taken off some of the edge of me and definitely made me a better mom and a better person and more loving and compassionate toward myself and toward other people. That's awesome. So would you then say that grace is kind of like you being in debt all your life and then someone says, you know what, let me pay off your debt. And then here's a credit card. And some people will be like, oh my God, I've got a free credit card. Let me max it out. And other people will be like, do you know what? I'm just going to use it for essential things, you know? And I think that for me, yeah, that kind of you sin, but you think, oh, do you know what? I'm sorry, you know, but other people will be like, oh, I'm just going to max it out because I've got all, you know, <laughs> I can get yes. anything you want, you know, yes. a broken bag. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and Paul talks about that in one of his letters. He talks about how, you know, grace isn't there so we can sin all the more so we can get more grace. Like that's not the point of grace is to sin. So then you can receive grace. So you can sin, so you can receive grace. It's like, because I know my debt has been paid, like if you have college loans or a mortgage on your house or a car payment or any credit card debt, if anybody came in and, and wiped that clean for you, I mean, the relief you would feel like I don't have to pay for X, Y, and Z anymore. That is all taken care of. It cannot come back. It is done. It is finished. That feels so freeing. And the Bible talks about how when God saves us, when we believe in his son, Jesus, and, and follow Jesus, that he takes us out of a tight and narrow space, and he puts us out in a wide open field. And how fabulous is it that we have this wide open field of freedom to run and be ourselves and be the good, happy, single moms that he created us to be? Yeah. That's awesome. And do you know what? There was a particular time when I was um, struggling because I've always had 
um, a relationship with with Christ. And when I was, I, I used to look at my relationship with Christ with the way I look at my relationship with my parents. And when you do something bad, you you would be afraid, you know. And with certain parents, so I know with me being Nigerian, like they would say they forgave you. But then after some time, it's like you do another offense and be like, oh, that's how last week you did, 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 you know. So whenever I used to look at my relationship with God, I just always was just condemning myself and waiting for, or if something bad happened after I'd asked for forgiveness, I'd be like, do you know what? Okay, this happened because I did so and so and so and so and so, you know. And yeah, it's 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 a long, long walk in regards to having a relationship with Christ but it's a beautiful one and it's one that I wouldn't trade for anything because I don't know how anyone can parent without God I kid you not I I cannot I can't do it alone (laughs) Uh, let alone do it alone and then not have a relationship or have someone to talk to when you have those broken days it's 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 hard work it's hard work and my mom always says um your teeth bite your own tongue. So that means that even with, within ourselves, we hurt ourselves knowingly and sometimes unknowingly. And God is the only one that when, even when I hurt myself knowingly and unknowingly, he says, do you know what? It's fine. I forgive you. Come as you are. Because he, he died for our sins when we were sinners. So even me knowing him is me acknowledging that, do you know what? I, I see you. You see me. You know, you saw me even when I didn't see you. So tell me about um, Grace for the Good Girl. Yeah, so that is one of my favorite books. And if your listeners have not read Grace for the Good Girl, it's by Emily P. Freeman. And that was a book that really opened my eyes to how how does grace meet us in our real life? And I don't know about you, Khalifa, but I love concepts. I love ideas. I love new perspectives. That's great, but it kind of feels like it's in the clouds and very ethereal. And I, but I'm like, what does this mean in my real life? Like, yes, there is grace, but as a mom who's making decisions or as a mom who's confronting a kid who lied or as a mom who's confronting financial issues or as a mom who is stressed out, overwhelmed, burned out, done where does grace meet me and grace for the good girl by emily p freeman really showed me this is what it looks like to live in grace and she wrote this book years ago way before the pandemic but she talks about how we all wear masks and we wear masks of fake fine we fear we wear masks of responsibility of strength um and i think moms wear those. Like we put on the mask of fake fine. Everything's great. We hold people at arm's length. Like, I don't want to let you in. I just need you uh, to think I'm awesome and then move away, please. Or we wear that mask of responsibility. Like, and it's because we do have responsibilities. There are things we are responsible for, but instead of allowing Jesus to help us shoulder some of that responsibility, we tend to think of it as a point of pride. Like, look at how much I'm responsible for and look at how many balls in the air I can, I can juggle and look at how awesome I am. And I'm so responsible. And Jesus is like, Oh, sweet girl, you don't have to juggle all those balls by yourself. I'm with you. And then there's the balls, uh, or the mask of strength. Like 
I'm good. I don't need help. I'm independent. I'm fine. If you help me, I'm somehow indebted to you. And then I have to pay you back later. Or if you help me, then you think I'm weak and can't do it by myself. And I really want you to know I can do it by myself. And Jesus peels back all these masks that we wear and he finds us where we are. And he says, I got you. You don't have to, you don't have to wear all these masks. You can just be exactly what you said, Khalifa. You come as you are. I welcome you as you are. You don't have to clean yourself up. I've got you. And that is just the most refreshing relationship. Cause I think so often we walk into work and we have on the mask of fake fine or the mask of responsibility, or even with our friends, we let them in a little bit, but not all the way. And then we have a God who formed us, created us, gave us gifts and passions and weaknesses and strengths. And he knows all about us. Like he knows the number of hairs on Khalifa's head, on my head, on every listener's head. And he loves us so much. And he just wants to hang out with us. And I think when I see God as a friend and a loving parent versus how I viewed God in the past. Um, And we could get into that if you like, but when I see him as a loving father who just wants to hang out with me and help me and love me, it takes away a lot of the, the angst that encompasses religion. Cause I don't think Jesus is religion. I think Jesus is relationship. Yeah, no, no, what you said is completely right in regards to the masks. And um, I think with um, with personally with me, I had I didn't realize that I had pride, especially as a single mom, that I refused to let anyone help me. And even with my parents saying, look, you're in the house by yourself. Come, let me take the baby. I was like, no, 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 no. I can do it all by myself. And it wasn't until a particular day where I went to my um, my bin and I opened the bin to chuck something in and I saw like bottles there because I was using alcohol when my son went to sleep as a baby. Just not, well, I wasn't breastfeeding at the same time, but you know, just as a, a pacifier, just like, do you know what? Let me just have this glass of wine just to relax myself because I'm so overwhelmed, but I, my pride wouldn't let me, um, arcs for help and it wasn't until I was watching I love like the sound of music the king and I I love all of that that um that I love musicals and I was watching the musical and something dropped in my spirit like just dawned on me that Khalifa do you realize that all these women are married and they all needed help everyone in the the musicals that I loved were either the help the uh, the, the maid you know they all needed help so why is it that you can't remove your pride and allow grace in me? Even I didn't realize that me even having so many people around me was God's grace. The people that, because there's so many single moms that are out there that don't even have anyone to say, do you know what? Go, go, go to the spa for the weekend. I will take, I'll look after your child. Some people do not have the opportunity, but I had people literally like, let me take him. Let me help you. You know, so even people wanting to help you is actually God's grace. But we, you just have to remove the pride of life, you know, and the pride of I can do it all by myself. We cannot, you know, we have doctors, we have dentists, we have Uber drivers. We need people, whether they're good, whether they're bad, we need people. So up until the time that you allow people to help you, allow God to help you. You know, it's been 
absolutely breathtaking fight in my pride. <laughs> and some days I lose, but you need to fight it. Yes. Well, and I, I think before you, if you had known me five, 10 years ago, you would not have called me a graceologist. You would have called me a prideologist because yes, pride is a wall of defense that I put up around myself to protect my heart, or at least that's what I thought I was doing. And as I study grace, I realize our enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, dark terribleness he wants us isolated. He wants us thinking we can do it all by ourselves. And I feel like if we have learned nothing from this pandemic, it is how much we desire connection and community, especially when we cannot have it. And God created us to be in community. He did not create us to be a little silo that lives on an island all by ourselves and could do everything all alone. We are not created to be self-sufficient. We are created to be God dependent. And the more I lean into that truth, the more my shoulders kind of relax and, and they're not up by my ears anymore. They're down where they should be. And yes, I think it is exactly what you said. God's grace to uh, surround you with people who we're literally probably calling, knocking on your door, texting you, let me help, let me help. And there you are. Yeah. So how do you help women move away from trying hard to moving towards God? Yes, that's a great question. I love that you asked that. I think it all comes back to reminding women of the truth. And so I'll just try to break down super quickly a couple of, of truths that have meant a lot to me in my process of getting to know Jesus and grace better. And one is one truth is that shame is not yours to carry. And I think we all have shame. We have shame from past mistakes. We have shame that we're not meeting all these expectations. We have shame that we should like good moms should do this or good financial planners should do this or, you know, whatever your should is, there's a should in your life. And so we carry this shame around, like, I'm just not good enough. I just don't measure up. I'm, I'm too far gone. What interest does God have in me? And I think when we realize the truth that, that Paul tells us in Romans eight, verse one, that there is no condemnation in Christ. Jesus tells us himself in like John three seventeen. I think that he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So he wants to, like when Jesus died on the cross, he extinguished shame. He's like, I am done. We are done with shame here. You don't need to put that in your backpack and carry it around. And woe is me, martyr. I take the shame from you and you get to walk in freedom. And I think when we realize that Jesus just wants to hang out with us and he wants to love us and shame doesn't have to be a part of our narrative anymore, there's so much freedom in that. So that's one truth. Another truth that I try to remind myself and women as we move away from trying harder and moving toward grace is that you don't have to meet every single expectation. Like I think I have internal expectations and I know there are external expectations put on me. Like internally, I think, well, good moms have dinner prepared from scratch with organic ingredients and really lively 
conversations at dinner every night or good moms tuck their kids into bed and have these very heart to heart conversations and good moms do this and good moms do that. And so I carry all these internal expectations and then I either meet them or I don't meet them. And on the days I meet them, I feel super prideful. Like I'm proud of myself. And when I don't meet them, I feel like the worst mom ever. Like, why do I even have children? I'm just messing them up. And then I've got external expectations, like our culture as moms, as Westerners, you know, there are certain expectations, like you're always involved and you know all these things and you're doing this and you're doing that and your kids enrolled in 27 languages and 18 soccer practices. And, and it's like, no, you don't have to to meet expectations. Expectations don't bring you value. Expectations don't bring you safety and security. And that when you're in Jesus, you're enough. And you're enough because Jesus made you enough. And then I think another expectation, and I don't know if you suffer from this as I do, but a truth I try to remind women of is we don't need to compare. I think we compare our our mothering to someone else's mothering, their income to our income, or our kids to their kids. Like their kid's a straight A kid and my kid like is struggling in math or can't kick a soccer ball into the net or you know, whatever the thing is. I think y'all say football though. I think, I think I just realized I was saying very American things (laughs) with soccer, um, football. Um, So, so we have these, um, this need to compare. And I will even, I mean, this is how crazy I can get. I can even compare current day Jill to Jill five years ago to Jill 10 years ago. Like I compare myself to myself. Well, five years ago, you could fit into that gene size or 10 years ago, you ran a half marathon and look at you can't even make it around the box. So I even compare myself to myself. And when I come back to it and I Remember the truth that God gave me my personality. God gave me my strengths. God gave me my passions, my dreams, my kids, my life as a gift. And if I lock eyes with Jesus, I don't have time to look around and look at everybody else. If I just focus on staying in my lane and obeying Christ and doing what he's asked me to do only for today it solves so much of my comparison. And I think for me, a lot of it was figuring out how I'm wired, how my personality is wired. So discovering who I'm supposed to be and then being her has really helped me um, be move myself away from trying harder and toward grace and helping other women do that. Awesome. So who has Jesus been to you? So I love this question. You're a really good question asker, or Khalifa. This is so good. Thank this you. Is so good. I could talk to you for like 42 hours. Um, so I would say my experience and relationship and encountering Jesus has changed over the years. And so I wonder if you or your listeners can resonate with with any of this. But as a little girl, I I grew up in church. I grew up with parents who loved Jesus. Um, Anytime the church doors were open, I was there. And so Jesus, you know, I sang Jesus loves me. And, And so 
as a kid, I knew Jesus loves me. And then as a teenager, God became more of a killjoy and like a policeman. It was like, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs, don't have sex, don't do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. I was like, uh, I feel like all the things you're telling me not to do are, are the allegedly fun things to do. Like, bleh. And I felt like something you mentioned earlier, I felt like he was a policeman. Like he was waiting for me to mess up so he could like swap my hand or like punish me in some way. Or like if I sinned or messed up or made a mistake and then like a week later, something bad happened. I'm like, well, of course it's because last week I totally botched that thing. So now he's paying me back. And it's like, that's not how God works, but that's what I thought at the time. And then in my 20s and 30s, I started viewing Jesus as like a taskmaster. It was like, serve your neighbor. And if you don't do what's right, then that's sin. And I was like, but there's so many widows and orphans and needs, and I can't help all of them. And everyone's asking me to volunteer, and I can't volunteer and parent two kids and work and all this stuff. And it just felt really heavy. It just felt like there were all these rules and to-dos God was giving me, and it, and it felt like too much. And then if I didn't do all the things I was supposed to do, I'm using air quotes. I wish people could see. Um, all the things I was supposed to do, then he would get mad at me, and then he wouldn't like me anymore, and I just felt guilty. And I was like, I'm exhausted. This God I am serving is exhausting. And then at that point, I was like, I need to get some help. So I went to a Christian counselor. I read Grace for the Good Girl by Emily P. Freeman that we talked about earlier and really started figuring out grace and what who Jesus really was. And so I would say today that Jesus is everything to me. He is my friend. He is my savior. He is my counselor. He's the person I want to hang out with the most. He guilt is not from Jesus conviction. He'll convict me if I've sinned. Like he taps me on the shoulder. He's like, Oh, Jill, that's not who you are. Let's okay. Let's, let's cut that out. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's not like me. So it's not guilt. It's conviction. And he cheers me on. Like he's not condemning me or guilting me. He just says, here's what I have for you to do today. Are you in? And sometimes I'm like, that sounds hard. And I don't want to do that. And sometimes I don't. And then I'm like, I missed out. I missed out on the good stuff Jesus had planned for me today, but it's not guilt. I don't feel guilt. I don't feel heaviness. I don't feel weightiness. I just feel like, man, I kind of, I missed out. Good thing there's tomorrow. Good thing there's grace. Good thing. He still loves me no matter what. So that's who Jesus is to me. Awesome. So why is the, the love of God needed even more now in the global pandemic? I think that all of us want safety, security, something that does not change, assurance. We all want unity. You know, here in the U.S., there's been a lot of racial unrest and a lot of injustices being brought to light. So we want unity. We want peace. We want hope. And that is what God offers us. And so all these things that we crave, I mean, in the pandemic, I feel, and maybe you feel this way too, where it just felt like the rug was ripped out from under us. Like everything I knew that was normal and routine and just a part of our everyday life, it was gone. 
And so you're, you kind of feel like a weeble wobble. Like I, I cannot get my bearings straight. And to know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if everything else, you know, the mountains fall into the sea, I still have my Jesus. And I don't know how people walk through a pandemic without clinging to the hand of God who is unchanging and forever and ever the same. Um, so that's why I think it's so important. It's very, very true. So um, what do you wish you knew about God today that, that you didn't know years ago? I think a lot of it is just, you know, I thought, like I said earlier, I thought he was a taskmaster. I thought he was a bully. I thought he was a killjoy. I thought he was a policeman. Um, I thought he was a guilt, a parent that was disappointed and made me feel guilty. And what I've really come to understand about God is yes, he is holy. Yes, he is pure. Yes, he is blameless. Yes, he is perfect. And I can be in his presence because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, because I put my faith in him. And so he longs for relationship. He is desperate for relationship. And I think so often, I would imagine with your son, this happens where he needs help with something, but he refuses to ask for help. And you're like, oh buddy, could I just like, could I just help you with that thing? Cause like, you're going to struggle for like the next 42 minutes and we're going to be late. So can I just help you out? And our kids don't want to ask for help. And part of that's good and developmentally appropriate. They, they want to do things for themselves. They want to solve their own problems. They want to be in charge. They want to be independent. And those are good things. We want our kids to, to one day move out and, and become productive members of society. So that's good. But also, I think that's such a good picture of how God longs to come, like that definition of grace I gave earlier, he, he accepts that we're human and he longs to come side of us and help us out and take some of the weight off or strip some of the weight off because we're carrying weight we don't even need to carry. And just, he just wants to hang out with us and love us and have us receive his love and just know that we are beloved and we are his precious girl and we are his daughter. We're the daughter of a king who owns cattle on a thousand hills and there's no resource that he lacks that we can't ask him for. So I think moving away from seeing God as um, a taskmaster, killjoy to like, oh no, he's got good things in store for me. I just need to trust him. And trusting is hard. I think trust for a lot of us is really, really hard to do, um, but it's what we need to do. So how do you spend time with God then? What does that entail? So for me, once our girls have both gone off to school, so our girls are in-person school, and I understand in the UK there have been lockdowns, and so, so that may be a different thing. But um, once our girls are off to school, I do a Bible study and then I pray. And what I do when I pray, <clears throat> excuse me, is I don't know about you, but I, my brain has like a thousand cats in it and they all want to run in different directions. And so, so if I start praying, just like in my head, I start making a list for the grocery store. And then I think about what time I need to pick up kids. And then are we out of milk? And like, I mean, ridiculous 
ridiculous things. So I literally write out my prayers word for word because it keeps me focused. And then I just pray throughout the day, like, dear God, what do you need me to do right now? Or help me. That's my prayer a lot, especially around 5 p.m. when I'm trying to get dinner ready. Help, help. I just want to crawl in the fetal position under the kitchen table right now. Just help. So that's a lot of my prayers. It's just help. So do you feel comfortable sharing your faith with others? That's a great question. So I would say I'm not a person who's just going to march up to somebody she doesn't know and be like, hey, do you know Jesus? I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to stand on a street corner and be fire. Yeah, I'm not going to fire and brimstone anybody. I'm, I, I, do, I don't think those methods are effective. I don't think they fit my personality type. Jesus knows that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're super effective. So for me... It's sharing Jesus in my real life with real people who I know, sharing Jesus with my kids, my girls, and then on my podcast, just bringing, directing my listener back to God every single time. So it's in my real life and it's in my, um, it's on my podcast, but yeah, I'm not, I think some people have more of an evangelistic, um, bold, um, personality and that is that's not my gifting and that's okay because other people have that I don't have to have that um but I do love talking about Jesus pretty much every conversation you'll probably hear the word Jesus in it oh good no that's awesome so have you handled um faith and parenting do you think that God helps you parents or how have you handled it well I agree with you Khalifa I I could not parent without God in the mix and in the middle of it And I think that is because I pray a lot for my girls and I pray for wisdom and discernment, like bring to light what needs to be brought to light and, um, and just asking him for wise counsel and listening for his advice. And I always know it's Jesus talking, um, not because it's like, this is God on high telling you what to do. Like he never sounds like that to me. He just sounds like my own thought in my own head, in my own tone of voice. Um, so it sounds like me, but it's, it never contradicts what God says in the Bible. Any advice he gives never contradicts what he says in the Bible. He will confirm it through other people. And I know whatever he says is grace and truth without any condemnation or shame in it. So if I say, you know, I'm really struggling with anger right now. I'm just overwhelmed and frustrated. What do I do? If I hear, well, you're the worst mom ever and you just need to figure it out. I know that's not Jesus. I know that's my own inner critic, my own thought life because Jesus never condemns me. Jesus will say, you know what? You're right. You're struggling with anger right now. And also I'm here with you. I'm always available And you're doing a good job. Let's just keep walking together. So it's always very grace-filled, but also truth. You know, he's not like, no, you're not struggling with anger. Like he and I both know I'm struggling with anger. Like, it's okay. We can bring the truth into the light. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, what you've said is right about, like, especially with me as, as a parent and being frustrated at times. And I think God has allowed me to apologize to my son something that I never really got as a as a child when my parents would do something bad 
I have my it's helped me deal with my like I said I'm still struggling with pride but I can just tell my son do you know what mommy's had a bad day today and I'm sorry yeah I'm gonna try not to shout I'm gonna try my hardest as well can you help me as well so my child can see that do you know what I don't have a perfect mom I'm not perfect we're all working towards but the pure fact that I can be transparent towards him is something that I never really got growing up Yes. Oh, you're so wise. You're so wise. And that's what you I wish I was wise. You are wise. You are wise because I think so many of us did not grow up with parents who apologized because parents are the authority and parents are inerrant, which we all know parents totally make mistakes as um as we do today. And so having the humility of heart, God over and over in his word talks about those who who are humble, those who are meek, those who are poor in spirit are blessed. And it's like when we humble ourselves, because I apologize to my girls, I think at least once a day, like, will you forgive me for speaking in such a harsh tone? I am so sorry. I never want anybody else to speak to you that way. And it's not okay that I spoke to you that way. Do you forgive me? And they have the right to accept or reject my forgiveness. I mean, my girls have been like, no, I'm not ready to forgive you right now. And I'm like, totally get it. Totally get it. I'm not pressuring you. No, you have to, you know, I'm not going to pressure you into forgiving me. I just say, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, you, you don't have to forgive me right now, but I think that is such a good step. And we're so like Jesus when we forgive others because he came to forgive us And so when we forgive our kids for messing up, we are demonstrating Jesus to them. And then when we ask for forgiveness, we are showing them this is what a humble heart looks like. And this is the humble heart is the kind of heart Jesus gets to use. And the kids, they learn by example as well, because oftentimes my son will, even when he's done something and I'm upset with him, he, I don't have to, you know, tell him when are you going to apologize he will actually say oh mommy I'm very sorry for what I said so kids really really learn by example gone are the days where our parents would be like oh do as I do not as I say no kids do as you do you know and they do as they see as well so if you're a, a parent and you're you're offering a hand of forgiveness and you're showing them your vulnerability and you're showing them that look God is working on me they themselves won't be so hard on themselves. And, and so oftentimes I hear my son saying, so he, cause I say it sometimes when I, I, when I act up, I'm, I would just say, Oh God, forgive me. You know, I hear my son doing certain things. He'd be like, Oh God, forgive me. And I'm thinking, Oh my Lord. Did that warm your heart? You're like, Oh, this is yeah. working. I'm doing it. Jesus and I are doing it. And I say to him sometimes, um, and I know, I don't know whether I should or I shouldn't, but I say to my son sometimes that, listen, when I die, yeah, God's going to say, I gave you a child. What did you do with him? You need to be the best version of yourself, you know, in school, in life, because I am going to be accountable for you as well. (laughs) You know, so I, I say that to him all the time. Then when I die, God's going to ask me, you know, what did you do with this gift that I gave you? I love that you just want him to be who God created him to be, right? Like God created us. And I think, I think this is a struggle for me and tell me if it's a struggle for you, but 
I think I have to be perfect and excellent at everything 100% all the time, even if I'm brand new, even if I've never done it before. I place this expectation that I have to do it 100% awesome, and I can't mess up, and mistakes aren't allowed, and I can't fail. And God's like, yeah, that's an expectation you put on yourself that I never gave you. I just want you to be who I created you to be. And you're being the mom God created you to be. And your son is getting to be the son God created him to be. And you're just calling him up. You're just calling him to who God created him to be. And I just think that's, that's a sweet gift. That's a sweet gift to encourage and say, God made you awesome. Amen. Um, so what advice would you give um, any single mom that's currently struggling with grace? I would say I've been there and you're not alone. And grace is a really sticky, hard concept to get your hands around. Because again, like we've talked about, it feels like it feels like it's a license to make mistakes or it's laziness or it's an excuse to do whatever you want because grace can cover it. So I would say there are a couple of things. Number one, ask yourself some questions like, am I asking for help? Because again, grace and God have given you resources and people surrounding you and pride wants to keep you insulated and isolated and not reaching out and not being in community. So get help, surround yourself with people who can help you ask for help, receive help when offered. So that's one question to ask. A second question you can ask yourself is, am I breaking away? Am I, am I just getting to be a person? Like sometimes I'm like, I love being a mom, but it's 24 seven, 365. And I love it, but I'm so tired. And so just saying, I'm going away for 10 minutes in the bathroom by myself, or I'm going to the coffee shop by myself. And, you know, my neighbor is going to watch my kiddo for, for the 15 minutes. It'll take me to walk, order, walk back. Um, or I am going to go away for a weekend. I mean, it can be any shade. It can be any shade, but just getting off the front lines of parenting is so important to receiving grace and remembering Motherhood is a role that you have, and it is part of who you are, but it's not your whole identity. Your identity, if you know Jesus, your only identity is follower of Christ, daughter of the King. That's it. Motherhood is, is layered on top of that, but your identity, if I think of it as a puzzle, which I hate. I'm terrible at puzzles. I do not have the patience for them, but I know some people love them. But I think of it as a one-piece puzzle. I am only a daughter of the king. That's it. Everything else is a role, responsibility, hat that I wear. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a pet owner. I'm an employee. I'm a boss. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. And those are roles I play. But Am I breaking away to just be a human and hang out with Jesus? So I would say that's one way to help yourself receive grace. It's just remember who you are for a second. A third question you can ask is, am I de-escalating expectations? I think we all walk in the door with expectations at like DEFCON 5, like to be a good mom, I have to do this and this and this and this and this and this and the list goes on and we're so tired all the time. And then Jesus is like, I don't give you expectations. I give you invitations and you can accept or reject 
that invitation and it's totally up to you. It's what you want to do. I don't condemn you. I don't guilt you, but I can tell you if you accept it, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be a blessing. It's going to be awesome. It might be hard and weird and awkward, but it's going to be good. So I would say, are you, are there expectations you need to shed that you have put on yourself that others have put on for you that you can remove from yourself because Jesus didn't ask those things of you. And then I would say another way to give yourself grace, or if you're struggling with grace is to ask yourself, am I having fun? Like, I think sometimes motherhood is like managing the clock and managing resources and managing behavior. And there's dinner at this time and there's bath time at this time and there's this at this time and there's this activity. And it's a lot of calendaring. And sometimes I forget that motherhood is also a lot of fun and that God created fun. Like he created laughter. He created fun. He created creativity. He created a great big world out there to explore, which not that any of us can get on a plane really right now, but at some point we can, and there's fun to be had. So am I having fun with my kids? Am I laughing? Am I having fun with friends? Is there something that will help me just Again, I think grace comes back to accepting our humanity. Is there something that will make me feel like myself that I can then just enjoy hanging out with Jesus? Because I've let go of expectations. I've let go of shoulds. I've let go of pride. And I can just be a person. Brilliant. Um, Jill, thank you so much. Where can people find you on social media? So I'm not tricky. It's my name. So anywhere you go, yeah, we all have too much to remember. So if you can remember my name, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes, but for Instagram and for Facebook, those are the two places I'm most active. It's at Jill E is an elephant McCormick. It's really E like Elizabeth, but no one says that. So Jill E McCormick. Jill, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on Happy Single Moms and talk to us about grace and your transition and your relationship with God. It's so refreshing. And I pray that anyone that's listening will be blessed by hearing um, your strength and your relationship as well. It's, it's just, it's, it's magnificent. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, can I say before we go to your single mom listeners, y'all are doing a great job. You're doing it. This is hard work and you are crushing the mom thing. So just keep putting one foot in front of the other and have a really good day. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, yeah.